Beep boop boop. Fax machine. Toot toot. At least, at least I know where, the, <laughs> where to start cutting. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. You're in the uh, danger zone. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Mars Podcasters. Who are these raving lunatics coming at you through the magic of podcasting? My name is Shannon and as always joined here by my brother Jake. Number five already. It is number five and uh, we've got a new format. We're going to have a, a crack at uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, Jake's going to have a look at the good parts of Dark Knight. There's plenty of those and I'm going to have a look at the, uh, the not so great parts and try and take a contrary view. Furthermore, we're going to have a look at TV shows that have jumped the shark, and uh, we'll explain what that means when we get there. Backed by popular demand, we've had people email us, text messages, phone calls, random ladies shouting on buses, bring back the rant, I'm back, I'm angry. That's all coming up on the Mars Podcasters. Let's put a smile on that face. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Why so serious? What do you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? I believe... Whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you a stranger. So we're traveling back to Gotham in Christopher Nolan's second take of The Dark Knight. Now, we had Batman in Batman Begins, which was good. Yeah, he's fantastic. training, he's getting ready. It was a good introduction to Batman, but then you're really thrown into it with this one. We did we did get to see his parents die again, which was good. Which is always fantastic. I mean, I'm sure they tried to do it in this one, but they just somehow didn't get, didn't him, get, it in get around to it. But this movie is, is Batman, it's first Joker, it's first Two-Face, and you can see why Batman is so good. Mm. Because of his villains, yeah. Like take Batman out of this movie, fantastic movie anyway. Yep. But you can see how good Batman is by his villains. So what we're going to do, we're going to run down the through, not through the plot. We've done that too many times. We're going to run through the good and the bad. I'm going to play the good or as good as I can be, and Shannon's going to be as bad as he can be, and be the Joker character to my Batman. And it's tough because this is a really great film. First off, it's a brilliant film. Well, how can you really, how can you really find some bad things in the Dark Knight? I'm sure you're going to try and make me cry. I got five pages of them, buddy. Five I'm, pages I'm of, 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 I've got a very well typed one page. But if you haven't seen it, go and see it. Seriously, we need to stage an intervention. Send me your address. Uh, care of a smoke signal? I don't care how you do it. But we're going to come and we're going to have a chat to you about good films because oh, if you haven't seen this movie or heard of it, you've been living under a rock in a bus. In a cave in Taliban. If you, ha- if you haven't seen three of our four movies, yeah. shame. Shame for shame. We're going to call shame this time. Yeah, We're going to th- we're gonna make you walk down the streets naked yelling shame at you, uh, ringing a bell. Yeah, Game and of Thrones And if you haven't style. seen Game of Thrones, you're even worse. <laughs> if you don't get that reference, <laughs> you're get even out. worse. Turn it off and get out. All right, so I'm going to run through all the good. Now, my number one has to be The Joker. Oscar-winning performance by Heath Ledger. One of the greatest performances I've seen in all of in all of movies for me. Yeah, he's really scary. He's actually really good. And you introduce to him so so well, you don't actually see his face until a good five minutes into the movie. Yeah. That that's how creepy and scary he is. All the even the people who are robbing the bank with him have no idea it's it, him. It sets the pace really well. He's really tight and it's really quite tense early on with that that original bank robbery. And it, it doesn't let up. The whole pace just stays that way, doesn't it? Well the opening scene is one of the greatest opening scenes in all of movies. It to me it's it's shot perfectly. IMAX camera shot perfectly and it's just very well timed very well balanced and just really shows you how psychotic and crazy he actually is now this Joker was took heaps of inspiration from the comic books yep. the, the Killing Joke and um, The Man Who Laughed and he's a Batman villain to be reckoned with yep I'm going to throw this theory at you right now just just out of the blue um, a theory that I've, I've read and I think it's actually a, a really quite a good and intelligent breakdown 
is that the Joker story is so it's it's not even fleshed out at all. We don't we don't have a backstory for Joker at all. You get nothing in this movie, which is actually really clever because it makes him scarier. Well, the third theory I've read is that he is an ex-soldier who has PTSD. That's why his story keeps changing with his scars. He's not quite there. He has no need for material possessions. He's just there out to cause chaos. So his backstory keeps changing where he's, he's not quite right. He's clearly not interested in money. What do you think, ex-soldier? He's got, clearly got some skills in that area. What do you think? Well, yeah, because I, mean, I haven't heard that theory before, so that's really cool. I mean, the fact that he is an ex-soldier and he's targeting police officers yeah. a lot yeah. and city officials. So that could be the the, uh, the soldier rebelling against him. Mm. And also, yeah, you said these great, great uh, work with weapons, explosives, yeah. all those kind of things, rigging bombs, which you don't really get from just being a crazy person. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's really good with explosives. He he's a, he takes a good shot at the at the mayor halfway through uh, and, and nearly hits him, hits Gordon instead, which is a big pop. And really good strategy in, in taking, down, uh, taking down the Batman and taking out uh, Harvey Dent going through the city. That's a great strategy and almost gets it done. So would would nearly be uh, having that uh, that skill base of being an ex soldier actually makes a bit, bit of sense. Well, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it can't, it comes from the fact that the the joke the you never get his backstory as you said before. So his backstory keeps changing, and 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 that's what makes him so scary in this movie and in every iteration of of Joker is that he. He's not into material possessions. He's just into anarchy. And well, he burns half the money that he gets. Well, he burns all the money he that burns he gets. All his, his half of the money. But he, he is just scary and has no real... He's really flexible in who he goes after. He's, he's simply there to cause mayhem. And that's that's terrifying. You don't you can't break down a guy who has no who has no want and desires other than to cause anarchy. That's a really terrifying villain, and it goes to show why he's such a good villain in the in the Batman universe. And I, and I will comment on how good he's played. Like I know I said before, it's an Oscar winning performance, but how good is Heath Ledger in this? I'd really hate to see anyone else's take on the joke. I'm surprised they've done it so soon. Yeah, and and people thought that after Jack Nicholson did it in uh, in the in the, the original Batman with uh, Michael Keaton that. You just—it's sacrilege to do the Joker, and Heath Ledger absolutely nails it. Absolutely nails it. Well, I'll just throw one more thing at you. I mean, I heard—I read a little bit about his uh, his routine and how the Joker—he actually became the Joker. He actually did all the war paint himself. Mm. Every single morning, he did the war paint himself. Yep. So that shows how into the character Heath yeah, Ledger was. A real was. method actor. Yeah. And um, you know, he really threw himself into the part, and it really shows um, because he is—he is fantastic, and he's scary. He steals every scene that he's in, and uh, a lot of it's shaky cam kind of work that you just get, and you get that laugh and the whole way through. Um, the next person who's playing it is Jared Leto and exactly the same thing happened to Heath Ledger people saw photos of him on the internet heard the casting that guy from Breakback Mountains in it this is going to be shit this is terrible what's Nolan thinking and of course he nailed the performance so that's for that reason I'm giving Jared Leto well I'm really really concerned about the Suicide Squad but let's, that's another story for another day well, the joke, look, the Joker is really terrifying, but his plans are mental in this. Uh, if you can follow what is going on in half of his plans, most of it works on coincidence. I mean, the very first thing, we, we do see the opening shot of the Joker standing on the corner with his paint on, without that, a mask, that, that, that's always, broad daylight. That's always gotten me. Like, he's standing there with his war paint on, on a busy street corner in the middle of Gotham. It's a great shot, but it doesn't make a lot of sense it makes in concept. zero sense. And it's really loud and dumb, that plan. Like, he's got guys blowing out windows in broad daylight. They've got guys ziplining across uh, across part of Gotham. Um, you've got a, a, a bus that crashes through the side of a building uh, through a bank. No one would report that. The cops wouldn't turn up. Yeah, they turn up in the last shot. But he's been there for 10 minutes while they're doing that. And then it pulls out into a line of buses that just happen to be there to get away. I mean, that... And it's covered with dust and debris as it pulls out. That is a bad plan to start with. I will challenge you to say that the alarm was triggered, but it went to a private company, not to the police. So yes, that's but I'm talking about a bus driving into yeah, the side of a building. He only had five, five or so minutes before that happened. 
It's a bus. How quickly do you reckon a school bus driving in a building would be reported and cops would be in the middle in the middle of downtown Gotham? Yeah, but how long? What's their response time? I mean, what's the Gotham police response time? Oh, I, I think it'd be quicker than than five minutes shown in the film. The other plan that doesn't make sense is his main plan, which is the fake out where Gordon. He's alive when he when he thinks that he's killed him with the mayor, and then he goes after Batman, and then he gets caught by Go- by Gordon and goes in. He actually wants to get caught, and he ends up in Gotham PD. There's so many coincidences that have to happen, and stuff that he couldn't possibly know about to get there. It, the magic of editing, and you, you completely gloss over it if you're not looking at it properly. But that plan is nonsense. It really is. I mean, the fact that I mean, I'm going to play the bad guy here, but the fact that he was put in the same cell of where exactly where he wanted to be with the bomb in him. I mean, that's completely coincidence. I mean, he could have been put out of the back. I mean, could be transferred to a different different place. I mean, it's really far fetched. He knows Batman's going to save Harvey, so he shoots a bazooka in the direction of Harvey's vehicle. All this stuff could have gone wrong. All these massive problems could have gone wrong, and it works out in the end. But it's it's a bit nonsense, and it is a bit of movie nonsense. I think is probably the the kicker. The other thing I I, I read in doing the research for this, there is a great uh, video cut on on YouTube, which is about the editing of that that tunnel scene where the the chase and the and the Batmobile versus the okay. Harvey Dent. That's that cut. All of those cuts are a nightmare. They cut different sides. They cut. It's day and night sometimes. It's it's a really weirdly cut, and I've never noticed it. No, neither have I, actually. Now if you're you sit back now and watch that, that movie, that again, just that isolation of that scene, the cutting and the editing is all over the place. They switch sides because of the way it's shot. It's really, really strange. It really worth a, have a, a look. And just a real niggly point, and I'm, I had to be niggly here, um, but it's weird. But the Joker's plan is nonsense, but it is a great performance. So from the tunnel scene, you get the big the big, big reveal of the tumbler. I mean, I know it's re- introduced early in the scene, but this shows how good it is. That tumbler is bloody unreal. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a pretty incredible vehicle. Um, and uh, and you see it early on in the in the first scene where he crashes through the wall uh, when he's uh, up against the scarecrow, which is a li- nice little intro. Nice little, bit nice too. little flick back. Little flick back to the scarecrow. Cecilia Murphy in there doing a nice job, um, and the and the fake the fake uh, Batman. And that actually brings me to another line, and it's a line that's so glossed over, and it's a great kickback line. But it's one that when I it just struck struck me really strange. Is is he comes through and he, he so, solves all those guys out, you know, the guys with the hockey pads and they're dressed up like Batman and they try and take it out. And one of the guys very rightly asks the question, What's the difference between you and me? And and that's a great question. He's a vigilante out there doing whatever he likes without the law on his side. What's Batman's response, Jack? I'm not wearing hockey pads. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Don't do the voice. Well, I mean I think we can avoid doing the voice for the rest of the night. Now yeah, fair enough. Yes, you're you're better equipped for it. That doesn't make you any more legal. That doesn't make you any better than that. But That's what, such a flippant line back But then. What, a, what a chance of him getting blown apart compared to a guy safety. with hockey pads. It's not I about think the, it is. It's not I about the safety. It's about what's what's morally uh, right and wrong. I don't, I don't and Batman's line is flippant about, oh, well, I, I've got I've got shitloads of cash so I can I can do what I like. I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's more based on the fact that he's just trying to keep everyone safe. And I, I'm calling it get, Batman's a smartass. That's well, what I'm calling it. It's a great well, I line. Hope, I hope so. But he's a smartass. I hope, I I like hope he is a smartass, honestly. Okay, next. Next, the supporting cast. Michael Caine, you've got Morgan Freeman, you've got Gary Oldman. Three people who are fantastic actors and really knock it out of the park. Oh, you know who I loved in this? I really, really loved this as a supporting cast. Katie Holmes was... No, no, no. Oh, wait. Oh, it's not Katie Holmes. We end up getting Katie Holmes Mark II. How is this not the first thing you said, honestly? Well, it's, it's on there. It's actually written in red on my, on my page. We, we get... We get a discount Katie Holmes in the in the way of Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is a fairly poor Rachel Dawes, isn't she? She's not good. No, she's not good at all. She's fairly poor. Yeah, she's very, very poor. And and I'm not a big fan of Katie Holmes by any stretch, but 
I mean, Katie Holmes wasn't good in the first one, but I think you, you can't just change act- actresses halfway through. Well, Katie Holmes wouldn't come back. I don't think it's not Christopher Nolan's no, fault. She I'm wouldn't not, come back. Not, scheduling... not, we're not going to blame that, but based on the movie, why won't you just write her character out completely? Well, she's a big. She she carries a fairly hefty emotional arc over the whole over the whole film over the whole trilogy, really. Really, yeah. and you couldn't write her out. I don't think. I, I think there's ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's probably ways around it. But I mean, they they did it fairly well. I think she did her best. I want to say. Yeah, I just don't think she's very good. No, and and, and it, it's a real mark on what what would have been a, if if it was just. Katie Holmes coming back, it actually would have made the film just that touch that better. little bit tighter. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you just go, "Yeah, okay, that's horrible, but we'll move on." But with Maggie Gyllenhaal, you just you just roll your eyes every time she's on the screen. Really, yeah, you do. Yeah, and it's really really painful. Really quickly talk about the quotes. Yep, the quotes and the images and the marketing. Yep. Okay. Then my then my this is my point. My biggest thing. Now you can probably think of a few quotes off the top of your head from this movie that you still use today. No, we're an hockey mask. No, we'll, <laughs> we, don't, we don't use the voice. I mean, you go to the obvious, obviously one of why so serious. Yep. And that was that was everywhere before this. It was up. everywhere, and and Joker's face was painted on everything. Was everywhere. It was so well done with such little amount of money. Oh, probably a lot of money spent, but yeah, such little effort to just put the Joker's face out there. Favorite thing, and it really explains how. It really sums up the Joker, and it was by Michael Caine as Alfred, saying some men just want to see the world burn. Yeah, and that that carries pretty high through the whole lot, doesn't it? Really, that speech is really really. Yeah carries the movie and it's just one of those things that really stuck with me yeah he, he has no he has no dog in the fight he is simply he is just simply he doesn't care he'll play both sides he's he, he would switch allegiances on a dime he, he that's what makes him so scary is you just never know what side he's playing well and, and he shows really well in the hospital scene with Harvey Dent how he can just manipulate Harvey Dent into doing basically what he wants he's then plan. I mean yes he was willing to die for it if, if Harvey pulled the trigger trigger it was do- over yeah, and, and he wouldn't have cared. No, he wouldn't have cared. He'd be like, oh. and then even when Batman's charging at him in the middle of the street, yeah, I want you to hit me, hit me, hit me, and he's yelling at him. Well, you remember that's all part of his his plan to get caught. Well, what happens if he did hit him? I mean, that's the funny well, thing. You know, all the Joker's plan just works on. Well, it's a coincidence, whatever. Don't look, don't ask too many questions. But guys. he also figured out Batman very early that it is that is his rule, and he says it in the interrogation scene. You have to break your only rule, and he knew that Batman wouldn't kill him. He knew he wouldn't run him down. Still didn't work out. It was Bruce Wayne, though. Well, that's a bit sad. Well, I mean, it, but I think. Bruce Wayne has really pl- played well and played low on this movie. Like, you probably wouldn't think it's Bruce Wayne. I mean, even, even Gary Oldman, I mean, Commissioner Gordon didn't even know it was Bruce Wayne when he hit him with the, uh, with the Maserati. Yeah, he's pretty dumb. <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty dumb police chief right there, ladies and gentlemen. Running through the comic books. You don't but, really want to give away And look, that's, it, it's another mov- movie dumbness. It's, you, you can't have everyone work out that it's Bruce Wayne because, it, of course, it's Bruce Wayne. But everyone, it's like the Clark, Clark Kent. You put glasses on, all of a sudden, it's not Superman. You can't really do that in these kind of movies. You've got to expect some sort of dumbness from movies. I mean, that's what my my main my main thoughts on the on the Batman is just so obviously the Joker. You got your tumble, you got the visuals, you got your supporting cast, and you have amazing quotes. Mm. I mean, can you really take anything else out of these movies? So I'm going to open the floor to you, yeah. and you try and make me cry, and I'll try and fight you back. Look, and I, I will qualify everything I'm about to say with I do genuinely love this film, but. Watching it, rewatching it again, I, I reckon they kind of overplayed their hand with two villains, and, and I think I think we when you have such a strong dominant Joker, you lose out on your second villain, which was Harvey Dent. You may have and noticed I didn't mention Harvey Dent or, yeah. or Two Face in this whole. And I mean, goods. little little interesting factoid is it it was actually going to be played by Matt Damon, which would have been awesome, which would have been really good, and I think he would have been perfect for it. But that look, Aaron Eckhart does an okay job. He's okay. I think he does a very good job. Um, better, better as Harvey Dent than Two Face, but the, still. The intro, the intro scene where we first see Harvey Dent in court is that is one of those really dumb scenes. There's like a, it's like a, a an audience of of the Big Bang Theory. It's oohs and ahs, and he pulls a gun on him, and Harvey like, you know, karate moves him out of the way and 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 gets the gun off him, and 
and then everyone stands up and claps in the middle of a courtroom. It's just really, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, and we thought, oh, Your Honor, I'm not done yet. I mean, would it would have been so much better if he outlawed him because yeah. he's a lawyer? Yeah, and it was just really dumb. And you know that that real quippy thing about you know, oh, I you know, I wasn't finished with him yet, kind of deal. It's just really dumb. What first of all. What security have they got to keep that gun out of a courtroom well, from a guy he, he who's already... It's carbon fibre, so it won't go off in the... What, I mean, a, what a lot of crap that is. I mean, just, just a cheat, but it's just a really dumb intro, and I think is a really marked shift from a lot of the comic books in Two-Face's origin story. And we don't... It doesn't dwell on it a lot, because it just happens naturally through the progression of the story. But we saw in in, uh, in Batman, when we first see uh, Harvey Dent, uh, in the original Michael Keaton one, we see the acid thrown on him, and that's that's the more canon version of it. And you're the comic book guy here, that's the more canon version? No, that's, that's more the the common... common and we see Billy Dee Williams in, in the first one um, as, as Harvey Dent. We saw the Tommy Lee Jones monstrosity that was uh, Batman Forever, and I don't even know that that gets explained particularly well in that movie, if at all. Not really. I mean, He's just kind of there. No, they have they have a, a, a quick uh, news footage shot of it, right? And Batman tried to save him, but gets that's yeah, why he hates so Batman. He Batman. And that that probably goes to the other part of that of that arc with with Harvey Dent. His his arc makes no sense. He blames everyone but the people he should be blaming. He he has the guy who actually he should be mad at with a gun, and he decides to flip the coin. Like it doesn't. His arc, his his arc into craziness is super quick, and I, I I guess it's condensed down, but he's really just like he's so mad at them for not saving Rachel and for and for saving him instead, even though he knows how important he is to the city. Yes, you'd be angry, but I'm not sure you'd rationalise it with let's go on a murderous rampage and kill everyone. But is that is that the Joker corrupting him? That what, spe- from one conversation? That speech from the Joker. I mean, well, it's he's movie, already it's, pissed off already because remember he sees, it's movie time. Yeah, but he sees he sees Gordon before that, and he's all pissy at Gordon. He's pissy at Batman. He then takes Gordon's innocent, completely innocent family, and he's pointing a gun at a kid's head and be like, "I'm going to sort this out." Doesn't make any sense. No, the ending makes no sense for two. And I guess the point where I actually don't watch the end of the Batman of that of that part. I mean, I, I don't like how it goes from the Joker, which was epic, to a really stupid ending. They of, had to, had to finish the Dent story. And yeah, they, it, did, and they, they, they didn't need the Dent story. And it, Well, they didn't. They, you, could, you could exercise the whole, excise the whole Dent thing and you wouldn't actually lose a hell of a lot. Um, but, you know, he looks good. The he, two-face he does look, actually looks good and it looks like good. a realistic, even though I'm not sure they'd let him wander around with half his face missing. But anyway, they do throw a line in there about him refusing graphs and whatever yeah. else. But, you know, it, it does seem a bit... He's the weakest point, I reckon. And it's not because he's badly acted. I just think he's not fleshed out enough. No, Maggie Gyllenhaal's no the worst. No pun intended. <laughs> um, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal's the worst. But I just don't think... I think he, as a storyline goes, he's a bit, he's a bit undercooked. I do like the fact that the Joker turns up at Harvey Dent's fundraising put on by Bruce Wayne. And he, he threatens Maggie Gyllenhaal when he drops her at the window and Batman turns up and, and dives out. And then it cuts to the next, whatever the next scene is. And the Joker's uh, standing there with all of Bruce Wayne's party guests and uh, nothing happens. We don't know. Well, he should go, you know, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to go back up there and try and fight him. But, I mean, is, I almost try to rationalize. Is, is he almost scared of the Joker? Because he doesn't understand him. He's not really sure of what he is. Is he scared of the Joker? Well, he, he's so scared of him, he pisses off and leaves his, all yeah, his party guests bad there Batman, to, but to be killed. <laughs> Um, I mean, Harvey Dent's in a in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. But what, he, he, what he, the henchmen aren't going to find him, he or he's, he's not going to wake up and be like, "Get me out of uh, here." Is Harvey okay? Yeah, he's safe. Yeah. How the hell do you know? You're down, you're down fifty floors. Yeah. I mean, he he he, he takes off on uh, Bruce Wayne disappears, and then Batman shows up to those people who are making out on his couch or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, good, you got a safe room." And then he just, just locks fucks, the door, just, just pisses off. Yep. So you know that that's a weird little editing thing, and I 
Again, she shouldn't be in the movie. I really don't think that character, Rachel Dawes, is needed. Mm. I know I know it's what Joker loosely bases how Batman... Well, if you get rid of Harvey Dent, you get rid of Rachel Dawes. Yeah, I don't, I don't because think... Because you don't need that... that no, Joker's so epic that you don't need Rachel Dawes or it, Harvey. It, it does drive the Batman relationship, really, because he thinks he, she's going to wait for him and all that stuff. He's a lunatic if he thinks he's going to wait. She's currently about to marry Harvey Dent, and Batman thinks... Bruce Wayne thinks what? He's going to give up Batmaning, and she's going to come back and... I, I, that whole that whole arc doesn't need to happen. I, I almost think that they've they've kind of thrown it in last minute to go. You know, how are we going to drive Batman to give into the Joker's plan? I oh, know. Let's let's throw Rachel into it and put her in danger. I don't I don't think it's needed. I don't think the I think the Joker's so epic you don't need to worry about it. But I mean, the big question I've got to ask you is: if you were Bruce Wayne, why the hell would you be throwing a Harvey Dent at a fundraiser when Joker's after everyone? Yeah, I mean, they are really dumb as well. In that happens, I mean, it's the same thing with the mayor. Why would you have a massive parade? The mayor, you know, the mayor is is going to be targeted. So the mayor is he's put an obituary in for the mayor for tomorrow. First of all, what newspaper is running an obituary that someone suggests is going to happen tomorrow? And second of all, they parade him around in the middle of a street with hundreds and thousands of windows that they can't control, with and the they guy, stick him out. With what the are guy they who, doing? Yeah, but the guy is a bomber expert. Why don't you put a bomb underneath the, the ground and blow everyone? Everyone. If it wasn't for the for the quick thinking of Gordon, which presumably then they then decide now that Gordon's shot, I don't think that's the plan at the start. No, Gordon is. They think he's dead, but he's not really, and then he comes back. That is a disastrous plan. If I was the mayor, everyone is getting fired. Every single person is getting fired for doing that because that 100%. is a bad plan. Well, who who marched down the middle of the street with literally even the SWAT guy says there's a lot of windows out. A lot here. of windows. And they and they all dirt. panic on the fact that one window fla- flashes yeah, up. They'll shoot, straight, they'll shoot straight, shoot instantly. No, Gee, no one whiz. lives. No one lives there. No. no. So that that's a bad plan. The other thing that I don't quite understand is another bad plan is is Batman and his idea to go to Shanghai. Right. First of all, he goes to Shanghai by the sheer good graces. They keep Morgan Freeman's she- cell phone because if they if they just threw that out or took that out and went, gee, that's weird that the cell phone's still here dismissed, then you lose all of the in, all of the, the sonar stuff that's in the in the building and Batman goes in blind. Not helpful. But Se- Batman's that good, he doesn't he can go in blind. Second still. of all, he goes on a suit that he's never tried and jumps off a six hundred foot building on the back of Fox going, Yeah, it's fine. Because every prototype he's ever come up with works perfectly every time. He jumps off that building. This is movie land, Shannon. It I, is. I, it is. And you, you, you're nitpicking now. And I'm, nitpicking I'm, I'm, starting get, I'm starting to get angry. I know. But the fact that you're nitpicking he, on a great scene. That he jumps off. So good. He's so expert with it. I mean, we don't know that Batman's an expert parachuter. He suddenly becomes an expert parachuter to the point where he can nail a particular window he wants to crash through. What the hell is a, is a smuggler plane? Doing flying around this Shanghai. Could you imagine the Chinese Communist government letting any unmarked plane fly around that quickly, that close after 9/11? It's never going to happen. Hey, no, it's unmarked. Doesn't matter. It's it's got to have airspace. It's a cargo plane. We clearly say it's yeah, a cargo plane. Yeah, but if you're flying off route very quickly and you're flying in the middle of a city, it's getting shot down. That's it. Gone. Bruce Wayne over. The second thing that happens too after that, he he attaches himself. He takes Lau back under his arm, and he shoots back onto the plane. Now, presumably, I, I did a bit of few calculations. It's 15 and a half hours from Shanghai, and I said it to New York because, you know what, Gotham City to me is yeah, pretty New, much New, New York, York or Chicago. Yeah. 15 and a half hours. So Batman, Lau, and the smugglers are all sitting in that plane for 15 and a half hours. What is that conversation like? Yeah, well, that's, that's true. I mean, I'm assuming you'd probably knock out Lau. Well, yeah, but then what? Batman's just like, well, thanks, mothers. I'm just going to sit here and... Um, do you guys have a magazine? Or Has anyone got peanuts? I really want some peanuts. Uh, by the way, I'm Batman. Uh, so that is a weird scene. Oh, that is a scene that got yeah. cut out I want to see. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a weird one. That's a good point that I haven't really thought about. The other thing that's going to happen is Batman's completely screwed any prospect of prosecution because could, 
I'm fairly sure stealing someone back from another country and dropping them out of the police station would be thrown at about 30 seconds flat to any proper lawyer. So, yes, you did the right thing, Batman, but now you're prosecution stuffed. You can't do anything with Lau. He's just going to sit there, and you know damn well he's going to die anyway. So that's what happens. Yeah, but I mean, then they release him, and then they're going to, the police think he's talking anyway. He's probably best to confess to the crimes and, and, and stay in jail. And then Gordon keeps Lau in the middle of the Gotham City PD, knowing that there's dirty cops all over the place. What is Gordon doing in that? Well, and Gordon, Gordon sums it up pretty well, saying he's got to do the best with, with what he's got. And I think he's got to try and trust someone, or he's not going. He's not going to stick him at Bruce Wayne's penthouse or whatever. Yeah, That's no safest one, place you, in the city. Yeah, but no one knows that other than Rachel. Where she's for some, for some fucking reason, she leaves the safest place in the city. I've broken him. I've broken him, ladies and gentlemen. He's come over the dark no, side. That, that that scene. I mean, that, Maggie Gyllenhaal and the Two Face stuff really pisses me off because he said, "Don't go. Don't leave there. Even if he gets arrested, the safe house is the safest place in the city. You're next on the on the Joker's list. I'm going to run down." Yeah, to go see my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Because he's arrested. It's a very good idea. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of those little things that pop up too. We get um we get uh, the 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 guy Reese who wants to uh, blackmail and embezzle. Why is he looking into Fox to start with? I mean, yeah. he's an accountant I, I, lawyer. I, I like that scene though. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's a great line. It's a great little little line back. But you know, he just he threatens to expose him, and then you know he's a, you know, and that's a great a great line by Morgan Freeman. The one thing I do want to point out though about that. Bruce Wayne and Lucius Fox would be charged and prosecuted for embezzlement. I'm fairly sure you can't direct funds from a company into your own personal play, play equipment. I'm fairly sure they have a word for that. It's called embezzlement, or as I would call it, misappropriation. That is a crime, ladies and gentlemen, and that would you would go down for life for that. The amount of money that's funneled out of Wayne Enterprises into his own little private yeah, Batman. Don't don't you as a, as a shareholder don't you earn? No profit? no 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 no. I don't know how that Embezzlement, works. Embezzlement, buddy. That's it. So we you know th- th- there's just some there's some little things that pop up. They go through, but you know I, I you could sit here and nitpick, but it is a good film and and it, it is fantastic. Um. So you know the the final count when Harvey Dent's going a bit angry, the final count to me is three cops. And one one person that's not a cop, and he's uh, Harvey Dent talks about it being five people that that they have to pin the crimes on onto Batman, which doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you just pin it on the Joker? Why wouldn't you just say, well, the Joker killed these five people as well, or four people, whatever it is? But but why wouldn't you pin it on the Joker? Why does Batman have to be have to be the martyr for that? It doesn't make any sense. I think you could kind of wrap up, wrap up the whole negative part of this movie as. The Two Face part of it, because most of your criticism is coming from the uh, the Two Face part of it. I mean, you, you are correct. I don't, I don't understand why Joker's going on a killing rampage anyway. If you find a dead body in the street, shot, chances are you're going to think it's, it's Joker. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they wouldn't have just pinned that on him. If they're going to lie, because they're going to lie and say it wasn't Harvey, why don't you so, lie and say it's Joker? He's staying in jail for life or Arkham Asylum. No, we've not even Arkham where he can break out tomorrow, but. He would be going there for life. What's if they're going to lie? Lie and say it was the Joker. Who, who wouldn't believe that? The Joker's gone on a rampage. Everyone's terrified of him. But would five dead bodies even make the news? Well, it, it would if they three of them are cops. Yeah, but but they're compa- dirty cops. But compared to the 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 mass murdering and the bombs on the on the ferries and Joker getting caught, I mean, who's gonna? That's gonna be like page twelve. But but they're they're dirty cops too, and that's the way you sell it. They're dirty cops that got killed by the Joker. For trying to help him, he was part of their squad. Who, who cares? Him. Why would you pin it on Batman? It doesn't make any sense. Makes, again, the Harvey Dent, the plot makes no and sense. And I know that drives a Dark Knight Rises, 
that's the big thing about Batman disappearing after everyone thinks he's he's dirty yeah, or whatever. I'm going to pretend the Dark Knight Rise didn't exist. You know the worst thing this movie did? I was thinking about it and I was sitting there and I think the worst thing that came out of this movie is it gave guys an excuse to dress up like a, a female nurse, which for some reason there's a whole bunch of them, as Nurse Joker. Yes. I reckon that that is the one, the worst thing this did. Any You go to any Comic-Con, there's always... Dudes walking around dressed as nurses, and they they needed an excuse to cross dress, and this movie gave it to them. So you know, I, I, and I'd love to do a count on how much cash the Joker burns to, because that is a massive pile of cash that he burns off, and that's only half of what he's stolen. That is just if you have you looked at the did you look at the a, size of that? Mound, it's a he mound. Sta- of money. He slides down it for thirty seconds. Yeah, that thing a, is huge. Well, he said it was a small amount, thirty-two million. So you can imagine what a big amount that's would be. Mo- that's more than thirty-two million. That no, no. When, when he still when when Lau um says about how the Police found their stash, and it was thirty-two million. Or the sorry, the Joker stole their stash. Was only a small amount, thirty-two million. That's a small amount to these criminals. Thirty-two million dollars is a small amount. Yeah. Can you imagine what h- half their intake would be? Yeah. And that's um, all the criminals in Gotham. It nearly filled a fucking warehouse. But you know, I, I, that 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 was movie money every day of the week. Oh, that was sure. huge. That was that would have been hundreds of millions of dollars that pile. I mean, one thing I want to want to gloss over, and what I think is a little bit negative and could have been used a little bit better. All these head of family criminals. Where's the penguin? Even, yeah, a, even yeah. a mention, a mention of, of Oswald Cobblepot would yeah, have been good. It would have been good. They, they had a lot of chances in this movie to really come back to the comic books. And that's and what really I reckon Marvel does a hell of a lot better. They wouldn't have passed up an opportunity to just throw a name or have a, a background uh, poster or something that would have thrown yeah, that together. Like a, God, the Oswald Cobblepot or Cobblepots um, out of the country or something like that. Yeah, and look, all those all those villains, all those head of crime bosses were all fairly poorly. They weren't fleshed out at all. No, no, who would be scared of those people? Eric Roberts as as Maroney just. You know, was a bit nothing. They threw back to the the the, the head of the of the boss, whose name I've forgotten. Right Falcone. Now. Falcone. They throw they throw a name back to him, played lovely by uh, Tom Wilkinson in the first in the uh, the Batman Begins. But look, overall, we've been you know we've 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 dwelled on the negatives, but overall, it's a fantastic film. Uh, it is it actually paced really well. It's two and a half hours nearly, Not, and it, it, it doesn't flies. Fe- doesn't feel yeah. like it. Doesn't feel like it at all. I mean, the only thing that drags is the ending, like I said before. Yeah, I think the just the ending is the bit of the disappointment. But other than that, a, a brilliant film. Uh, and really shows wh- how good comic book movies can be because you wouldn't actually sell it, call this a comic book movie. You could no, it's an you could comfortably movie. say this is a, an action movie and not worry about the label of comic book movie. But you know, again, uh, amazing direction, cinematically stunning. The the use of the music and just no music sometimes. There's some yeah. beautiful set pieces where no music happens at all and no sound. Big explosions. Yeah. Big loud explosions. Good good paced explosions. Um, Nolan true to his word. Uh, works practically in camera as much as he can. That the the truck sit flipping scene, which is really iconic looks, now, looks really good. Is, was done for real on a real set. Yeah, I've seen the behind the scenes. Um, you know, they they use a, a pressure cannon to flip it and do a fantastic job. It, it looks it looks incredible as well. And uh, and apart from my my bashing it around, it is a really fantastic film. Well, nine point one on IMDb, yep. a nine point zero sorry on IMDb. The figure I want to know is how much it made. All right, so the budget was $185 million, and you can clearly see how good it was. Yeah, they spent every cent. So, worldwide gross. Do you want to have a crack? Do you want to have a ping while we're, while we're here? Uh, it was over a billion? Over a billion dollars. So 1.2. No, it was just over a billion. Like, just okay. ticked over a billion. It's just just a tick over a billion. Let's just say it's a billion dollars. Yeah, so it's a tick a, over a billion. A billion dollars. Yeah, and it, look, it was it's a fantastic film. It's a reason it, it made that much money. And if you haven't seen it, seriously stop and go out and watch it. it it's on Netflix, so bloody go and see it. And uh, and it's on Presto as well. Actually, I found out. Uh, hey guys, if you want to want to sponsor the show, Presto is amazing. Stan also good. Uh, Netflix brilliant. Whatever you want to do, go out and see The Dark Knight. You won't be sorry. You certainly won't. And seriously, don't be so serious. Why so serious, Sean? Yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs>
that shark, Potts? Yeah. How could you accept the challenge? It wasn't me, it was you. I know. There's nothing worse than when a great TV show completely falls off the rails, falls off the wagon, gets drunk and stumbles home at 3am. And makes you want to stop watching it. Completely. They've wet themselves. You don't want to watch it. It's <laughs> terrible. There's nothing worse than that. There's a great phrase that was coined 10 years ago or something like that, r- referred to an episode of Happy Days. And what happens in Happy Days in this particular episode is that the Fonz, the whole episode is the Fonz has to jump a shark on his motorcycle. And so what, th- what this particular writer said is, that's the jumping the shark moment. When a TV show completely falls off the rails. And that's the moment in time you know that the TV show has, has fallen off the rails. We're not going to go so specific today and pick up episodes of stuff that have fallen off the rails. We're simply going to say which TV shows have jumped the shark. Which TV shows started really good and then ended really poorly. And it maybe if you can start, if we can nominate an episode or a season that it falls apart, we'll do that. We're co-opting that, that line of jump the shark and we're just going to call it across the whole board. So what we've done is we've come up with a, a, a number of TV shows that have completely fallen off the rails. And, and I mean, a lot of these TV shows started with a lot of promise. They were really fantastic early on. They were great and then they fell apart. And I think the very first one I wanted to talk about is the really is the elephant in the room that is actually could be the room. It's that big is The Simpsons. Yes. And I want to start, we've done this in just about every podcast, but The Simpsons to me fell apart. And I'm going to be really generous and say anything after season 15. And that's, that's super that's generous. That's super generous. I'd even call, pull it back to 10 or even 12. But The Simpsons jumped the shark for me and, and they've, they've been getting poorly. And I think... What happens when the Simpsons jump the shark is becoming less and less believable, and the more less and less believable, and the, and the relatable the storylines, they become more like Family Guy, and I think that's what does it for me for the Simpsons is that they fell apart, the jokes weren't quite as snappy, they were repeating the same storylines over and over again, but they just became less believable, less relatable, and we just we st- we just seen it all the same before, less funny. When you had to rely on big names to really carry you through, that's when you've got to start really looking at your, your show. I mean, yes, they had a lot of big names at the start and the funny episode seasons, but they weren't like, look at this star, look at this star. And they were playing themselves exactly. in a lot of the time. Exactly. Yeah. It was just like, it's a funny version of themselves or they're playing themselves in a very small amount of film. Yeah. And they, and they just, they pump through those guest stars week after week on The Simpsons now. And to me, it's it's unwatchable. It is absolute garbage now. It's it's not it's not watchable as a TV show at all. I mean, you look at the pinnacles of Simpsons as some of the best TV you'll ever see. Now you can't watch it. Well, to be honest, I haven't seen an episode probably other than fifteen onwards, maybe twelve. I think twelve onwards. I'm pretty pretty no. I'd be confident to say twelve. Twelve is onwards, jump the yeah. shark. And I think you could find an episode in there and point to that one and say that's th- that's the jump the shark moment. Now, don't get me wrong. I haven't seen the episodes, but I'm sure there are some decent episodes. Yeah. From time to time, we're not saying that every single episode is horrible. Yeah. But as a whole. You can't watch a whole season without going, this is shit. And I think the Simpsons movie is probably a really, quite a strong new episode. I think is how I describe it. I really like the Simpsons movie. I think it was a good good take on it. Some really good lines. But it wasn't anywhere near as good no. as those episodes. You could no. watch four episodes back to back and be far funnier than the Simpsons movie. And I think it's the writers who really, really hone in on that. Yeah, and it's it's guys like Conan O'Brien, Rich, Rich Moore that left... Um, David X. Cohen went off to create Futurama, and that was fantastic. And we, we started to see the degradation of that of those Simpsons. So I think for that point, it jumped the shark. To me, it's almost the Armin Tamsarian episode, where they basically, he he's not the real Principal Skinner. They, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So that, to me, is just about the moment I went, you know what, that that is just garbage. Yeah. And they retcon at the end. They say, let's never talk about it again, as a, as a wink to, to how clever they are. And I reckon that's the downfall. And that might have been season eight or nine. I think that was the start of their fall. So my, my number one is How Much a Mother. 
Yeah, that's really disappointing. I, I love this TV show. I'm actually re-watching it right now because I have nothing else Can to I do. Can I tell you a secret, you and our listeners? I haven't seen the final, the proper season final. Well, don't bother. I haven't seen it. No, don't bother. I mean, it, the, How Much Your Mother was so so funny. It was so new and fresh and different to all the other sitcoms out there. And I, I love season one through eight. Yep. Season nine where it really falls down. Yep. And even even you can see signs of it early, like even do, five, Do you reckon six. it was the, it's the Barney... Robin storyline that makes it, it all the part. It really does. Yeah. Like I think as soon as they started getting towards each other and going to get married and stuff, it w- it fell down. Like, it was still very funny. I still watch it and I still laugh. But it, it's really season six onwards is a really big thing. And I just want to really point out really quickly how bad of a person is Ted Mosby. Oh, he's a terrible person overall. Like I went through it. It, it should be called how many chicks did I go through until <laughs> I got to your mother? Because <laughs> he's sitting there telling his kids how many to- chicks he's banged. I actually went through it. Now he didn't bang all these women, but he went through thirty-eight different women. Wowzers! So there's thirty-eight different stories about how he met these people who aren't his mother. Anyone with children, if you could just sit down and go through all of your previous conquests before you get to your mum, that'd be a really great idea. Thirty-eight. That's a lot. Yeah. Like yeah, there was there was one or two. Here we go. But per- he's, a, he's such a helpless romantic, and he's so sad and he's so lonely. But thirty eight women in three and a half or four five years, wherever it it's is. It's probably another podcast, actually. Really bad sitcom characters because I reckon you could just about nail them. Oh, there'd, crazy. Be, there'd be so many of them. I reckon all the Friends cast have got their down points as well. Oh, for sure. But you know that that is one that really went downhill, and that was such a shame. Um, I reckon by the last season, Jason Segel had completely given up. He just did not care. No, he, no, he you can care. actually tell him the acting. He could, he wanted to get out of there as quick as he could. It really lost its spark and its fizzle, and well, it was limped se- over the line. The whole season finale was the whole season was in one location. All I know is that there's a twist. I have no idea what that twist oh, is. Tell, Presumably, she, I think she's dead. Is that right? Do you mean to spoil the for you? I'll spoil the for you. Right been dead? Basically, how it ends is the last episode goes from we got married and we're so happy and we had you kids, and then she got sick, and yeah. then she died. Yeah, and the very last scene. Is him running back to Robin? What? Yes. Get out. No. He Haven't aren't her and Barney married? No, no, they get divorced and it didn't work get out between out, really? them. No, it didn't, didn't okay, work I out. I actually genuinely don't know that. I actually can't remember if they got married or not. Do they get married? No, they get married, surely. I can't remember. Anyway, but I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to tell you. But there, they and then she he runs back to Robin. Robin's because oh, the the kids go. Wait a second. Robin's the person you've been talking about all this time. Blah blah blah. And they actually convince him that she's the one she should be with. That's awful. I didn't How realize that. How bad that's, is that? That's a really horrible, not horrible, horrible ending. Okay, that's that. I didn't realize that. That's actually not great at all. So that's I'm I'm actually justified in not should, watching. You should watch. You know, you should actually watch it to see how horrible it is. Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Another show that that does that. And, and there's a bunch of them in here that. Uh, I'll go through, and I'm going to group them a bit differently. I'll go through a bit. Future Armor, I've already raised up. Now that that fell off, the, has fallen off the wagon, quite sig- significantly. That was seasons one to four were incredible, and then they got cancelled. And then we had a couple of those director DVD sequels the, that the were pro- okay. The problem is when they get cancelled, they try and come back. It just don't. Bother. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. And what it really hurt Futurama. And Futurama is solid, and you will still find really solid episodes. It's not quite as dire as The Simpsons. No, it's not a big off the cliff moment, but, but it's still but pretty it's bad. Not, but, but they could have ended that at season four, and it would have been a fantastic package with without a bad episode. And I. Jake and I used to share a bedroom back when we were, were kids. We used to put Futurama on every night before we go to bed and watch an episode or two as we fell asleep. Yeah. It was that good. It was so good, those those episodes. Yeah, Fry, and the sl- uh, Fry and the Slam Factory is such a great it's one of the It's one of the greatest episodes of, oh, of cartoon think, and, ever. And, and I still say season one to four of Futurama stacked up against, say, season what three, four, five, and six, or four, five, six, and seven of The Simpsons. I reckon they rate. I reckon oh, they're, sure. pretty, they're pretty 100%. 100%. So... One of the things that, that popped up as I was going through this list, and another one that I'm going to go through is Dexter. Dexter's a really poor 
ending and has it, it fell off the wagon. I, I stopped watching after about season three. I'm exactly the same. Haven't oh, seen just, it just it just didn't didn't do well at all. And couldn't it even tell ended, you how it ended. Couldn't end after season two, and I think everyone would have been happy. Is another one of those, and I think Heroes falls into that as well. Yeah, see, Heroes was on my list, and Heroes was a is a season where I really, really enjoyed the first season. Really loved it. Really loved the characters. Loved Sila. Loved the darkness of it. And then it just went completely. I couldn't even tell what happened. How that's how bad it was. Yeah, and I think I think that's a victim of its own format. I think you you got these guys developing powers and 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 discovering their own powers, and then after that, what do you do with them? You've you've changed the format of the show. It was guys that used to were trying to find out their powers. Now that they've got their powers, well, now what? Now what are you doing with them? And that's what happened. And the same thing happens with Prison Break. Because you've got Prison Break. After the season one, they get out of prison. And then what? Yeah, see, Prison Break is also the, the second one on my list. Is probably one of my favourite first seasons of any TV show ever. Like, I really love Wentworth Miller and um, Dominic Purcell. And I, I think it's really, really great television. So up in the air, who knows what's happening. And then it just, they get out of prison and that's the whole point. Because they and had to change their format on the fly. But they ended up being back in prison at some point. Because you've got to. Exactly. The, the, the show's called Prison Break. Not prison, I'm out of here, now what do we do? Like, you've, you've, well, as soon as you change that format, you're stuffed. And you've, you've painted yourself in a corner. And I reckon the same thing happened with Lost. I reckon they had a season of good ideas. And then what? Now what do you do? So you made me watch the first season of Lost. I'm pretty sure I watched it with you. Can't yeah, remember, maybe. Can't remember. But it was one of those ones I never went on to the second season because I heard how crap it was. It, it, because what do you do? You've, you've locked it down to a situation where you've painted yourself in a corner and how do you get out of it? My big question, did they ever figure out what that smoke monster was? Um, I'm fairly sure it was all a dream. <laughs> I think everyone oh, okay. woke up was all a dream. Okay, cool. No one gives a shit. Cool, I don't um, care. Okay, the other part of this that I wanted to talk about is, is the unfortunate stuff where, where you get a change in something either in the back end or in the front end where you change in a season for the better. We change a show for the for the for the worse. And I think what what a lot of these shows now that happened is you get starting getting actors leave. And if you've got a popular TV show, your actors are going to go off and do movies and stuff because it's it's the normal hierarchy is movies, the TV show to movies. And you should, yeah. And I think that's what happens and I think some of the shows that are the greatest of all time are shows that could that could have happened to but didn't. Shows like Friends those guys waited or did it in the off-season but still stuck around and that show was consistently good for 10 years. Yes. And they ended it at the right time. If they kept going, we may have had a friend's... A I'm friend's very, very turn glad they didn't. Yeah. And they did a really good job of ending it when it should. Seinfeld's the same. They could have had Seinfeld where it kept going. Arrested Development, to me, was the big shame in Season 4. I, I just wish they hadn't brought that back. As much as I wanted to see it, Season 4, to me, was, was weak. It still holds up against just most of the other crap on TV, but the lofty standards of, of Arrested Development, Season 4 is really weak. And and Season 1 to 3 is such a nice package, but that doesn't quite follow what I'm into, so I'm going to go jump back to my own thoughts. The the, the problem where they, they move, people move on permanently, and I think the shows that, are, that I'm going to think about coming up that jump the shark are shows that should have ended when those guys left. The first one I'm going to throw at you, that 70s show. Oh, 100%. I didn't even think of that one. Now, that 70s show... When um, when Eric leaves, when Topher Grace goes, and they bring in his cousin or whatever, they should have just stopped the show then and there, because those those two seasons that they carry on He's with the, the garbage, main character, he goes, Ashton Kutcher goes, he he walks out, and so you've got you've got, you're trying to push Fez up, you're trying to press uh, his this new cousin. I can't even think of his name. It's so bad. I haven't, I haven't even seen it once Eric left, honestly. And and so. Had they just pulled the pin right there, this wouldn't appear on this list. This is this is crap because of those those knock-ons. The next one I'm going to throw at you is I know a show you love, and I love, but is weaker for the last season, is Scrubs. Yes. When 
when you've got you, your main guys go and they start with a new crew, and you've got guys coming in and doing half 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 the episodes. You've got um, Donald Fies on, and you've got uh, Zach Braff coming in and doing three or four episodes between them, and they try to have the new crew. It's it's dead in the water. And I'm not sure. I think I don't even know if Cox is still in there. Yeah, he, he's he runs through it most. Of the, he's the main driving force. He's probably in ninety percent of the episodes. But season ten, I think it was season ten or yeah, nine. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, season nine ended so well. It ended so well. Him leaving uh, Sacred Heart, and he was going to join another hospital closer to his he son. Being Zach Braff. Zach Braff. That is. Yeah. That is a perfect ending. It was heartfelt. It was beautiful. It, they ran through the whole season of how he got there, and it was perfect. You, there was no need other than money, to yep. go back and do it. And, and they kept going, and it's such a shame. Um, and, and quite frankly, uh, it, those, that show just didn't, didn't, cover, didn't recover. Uh, I've, I've seen a little bits and pieces here. I mean, it's not good. It's not good. It's, it's not, not funny not. at all. But one I'm, I know you're never going to have seen, and it's going to be one of those ones where people are probably going to scream at me for even liking the show. I love, the, um, I love One Tree Hill. I know you're shaking your head at me right now. You can't see it, but I'm so sad. I'm actually back, ashamed of you. Back brother. when I was a teenager, I loved one. So uh, I'm just going to Google search. It, it, How do it, I divorce my own brother? It, it so was a, it was a show back in uh, when I was playing basketball. It's a basketball show, so I, I did relate. Oh, what a crock of shit! It is not a basketball it show. A basketball. It's a soapy where ha- occasionally <laughs> basketball happens. Yeah, basketball happens in the background, and I, I enjoyed it. But I, I watched I watched One Tree Hill, and it was one of those ones where two of the main characters left. Same kind of thing. Season five, I think it was, they left and they replaced them with all these cousins and talent agents and just crap trying to replace the two main characters and the two main love story in this whole thing. And it fell apart you, again. You've got to make a decision if you're a showrunner. Do I keep milking the cow or do I let the fans off, off easy? And I think in most of these occasions, I can't think of a show where it continues on where all your main characters are gone or, you, or your strong popular characters are gone. The one that I think almost gets hits it almost is community. And community has gone through some massive changes. Season four, they lose their showrunner in Dan Harmon, who goes on and creates Rick and Morty, one of the greatest animated shows of all time. But he he, he looked, walks out at season four after a, a run, running with Chevy Chase. At season four, they lose Chevy Chase as well. So he, he start dying off in through those seasons. By season five, he's gone. They then lose Troy, Troy Barnes, uh, played by Donald Glover, he's gone by the end of by season six. Shirley uh, Bassett's gone as well. She she's gone in season six, and she's she's I think turns up in one episode, and they've got to replace as they go through. They pick up a couple of characters as they go along, and the characters are actually pretty good, and they they heavily rely on the others. With such a large ensemble, they were able to make it. But it'd be like if if How I Met Your Mother just all of a sudden Josh Radner and and uh, and Barney left, and and uh, and Neil Patrick Harris, and they had to carry it with. Uh, you know, well, it's Robin and what are Robin and um, Lily doing? You know, like yeah. you have to heavy reliance on the other characters, and I just don't think they made it. Community's just—I I still think Community holds up, but I'm so glad it's—it's going to end now. After it jumped to Yahoo, it was cancelled by Fox in season uh, NBC in season uh, five, got picked up as Yahoo in season six, but it brought Ben Dan Harmon back, and I, I really hope that they—they they now stop that. Um, even though we'd love to see six seasons in a movie, anyone who's watched Community. One thing I want to throw at you, that, which I haven't actually seen, I've seen all the the post-cancellation of Red Dwarf. Yeah. Now, still, I know they released a season and a movie. Yeah. And yep. I haven't seen either the, the, the last season or the movie. Yeah, I think, I think look, the movie Back to Earth was, was fairly average, was, was the movie. And you know why? Because it, it had a laugh track in it. Okay. And it was really, uh, sorry, it, it didn't have a laugh track. And it was so odd. You, these characters are doing gags, but there's no laugh track. And okay. when you're a show... 
watching a show that has a laugh track through it and then all of a sudden it's like a season that turns up without it, it was it had a really odd feel to it. And of course there's massive gaps between, you know, season seven and season eight. And it's it's they look really old. And so you just get these massive jumps in time where they just Danny Charles looks forty, you know, seventy, and you're just yeah. like, What the hell happened? The last season that they did for one of the, the TV networks in in, a, in the UK was actually okay. Was it actually? But it brought it back to a three sit camera, two camera sitcom, real sound stagey kind of deal. Whereas the movie they were out on location and they were, it was all crazy and it just didn't work. But that's another one. But if you d- if they tried to bring that back, but you know Craig Charles didn't come back or D- Danny John Jules just didn't come back, that show wouldn't work. No. And as the question is, would you bring? Would you bring any of these shows back? Would would that seventy show come back if all of a sudden Eric Foreman, the guys whose basement they hang around in, yeah, it's really weird. They're in his cousin. They still hang around in, in, his, basement. in his basement, even Get though out. now the cousins living with yeah. them. Get out. Um, you've got to scramble for stuff like that. If Monica suddenly leaves and they still hang around in that in that unit, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I think I think they really got. To, I, you're better off pulling the bandaid off and just letting it go. And I think I don't think of, I can't think of an, a series that loses massive key stars that keeps going and is better for it. And I think that's the other thing is that those TV shows jump the shark the moment those actors leave. Yep, hundred percent. So, um, if there's some we've missed, let us know, tell us, and we'll talk about them in the ex- next episode. The other one I did want to throw up was Criminal Minds. Again, after after Gideon left, after Mandy Patinkin left, just that show fell apart. They replaced him with Joe Montagna, but. It was pretty pretty average after that. I don't think it, I don't think it counts as being one of the ones that ruined it. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I don't think it jumped the shark, but it wasn't as good as when no, he was and there. And look, those criminal procedural ones you can get away with. CSI's been doing it for years, where they just replace oh, the head guy, and people goes on, and people keep watching it, and they're they're criminal procedures, so you're not tied to the characters as much as you yep. are the process. And I think they're the only ones that can really get away with it. The other one that was criminally underdone, I reckon, in its last season was Fringe, and that that was a great. Quirky TV show, JJ uh, Abrams, a TV show that was really dark and and uh, and had uh, Pacey from Dawson's Creek in there, Josh Jackson. Um, it limped over the line um, and and was really quite poor. And they they had to jump around because they had to f- to wrap up all the stuff that goes on in a typical JJ Abrams movie where you've got a TV show where you've got a bunch of story plot lines that are all over the shop. And they tried to wrap it up and it didn't do a very good job and was fairly unfulfilling. And I think that's the, that's the risk you come up to is you just get a really unfulfilling series that ends and it and it, ta- it, it tarnishes it when you look back. And, and I don't think any of these shows could hit the greatest shows of all time on the basis that they fell apart. No. And I think that's the real shame because these, go- these shows could have just gone out on, on top and ended it and then we wouldn't have the, uh, the garbage. I mean, I think out of the whole list, my biggest disappointment was How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. It could have been such a great epic reveal, and it just wasn't. It, it was just yeah, they fell, fell flat. And it's just, I'm watching it now, and I'm just thinking, I love this show so much, and it's going to fall apart any minute now, and it just makes me so sad thinking about it. Yeah. So that's, that's it. If we've messed some, make sure you email us, uh, and we'll talk about it in the next podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for my favourite part of the whole podcast – and I'm pretty sure most people's favourite part of the podcast, it is Shannon and his rant. We've taken down some big targets on my rants, Jake. We, we, we started with, we've taken down Ola Fisher. We've taken down uh, urinals. <laughs> this one's probably the biggest target I've, I'm going to take on, but uh, it's, you know, we'll see how we go. The target today is Hollywood. Yes, all of Hollywood. <laughs> Are you listening? Is this loudstick on? Hello? Hello, McFly? <laughs> because I tell you what, Hollywood, you pissed me off today. And you pissed me off this week and this month. 
I'm pissed off on the back of the news that they're making a a movie trilogy, a fucking trilogy of Tetris. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Tetris is a game where blocks slide into other blocks to make a complete line. If you can get a trilogy out of that, you're a fucking genius. <laughs> now, they're putting real money behind this. They are throwing big budget type money at, at a trilogy of Tetris movies. And this isn't the first time this has happened. We have a just a shitstorm, a fucking invariable shitstorm of bad Hollywood remakes of video games. And I'll start with you, Resident Evil, and your five movies of bullshit with Millage fucking whatever your name is. They are garbage, and I love the Resident Evil. I hold that quite to my that that trilogy, that series of, of video games is close to my chest, and you fucked with it. And that's, so that's what happens. You get into my rant if you fuck with something I love. We have so many bad versions of shitty movies coming out of video games. Where's the fucking Zelda video movie? Where's Zelda? You know why they haven't made it? Because they don't want to fuck it up like the rest of you have. I can't think of a single good video game movie that has come out at all, ever. So what the fuck is Tetris going to achieve? Nothing. That's right. I can make a better movie right now. Oh, let's look around the room. Oh, shoes. Oh, look at the shoes. They talk to each other. What the fuck? That's nothing. It's nothing because it's bullshit, but it's better than Tetris. And I'm going to reserve the... And we've got Fassbender coming. Fassbender's going to try with Assassin's Creed. It's going to suck. Let me just say. First of all, let's we can do the review right now. Welcome to episode six of the Mars Podcast. We're reviewing Assassin's Creed. It hasn't come out. It's shit. Don't fucking watch it because it's a video game movie based on shit. Right. And I'm reserving, I'm just ramping up here. I'm at, I'm at 80. You ready to go to 100? Let's go 100. This is 100 right here. Adam fucking Sandler. Yes, I'm talking to you, you piece of shit. You are a piece of shit. I could stop it right there and I'd be perfectly sound, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify it. Have you seen Pixels, Jake? Don't! <laughs> Don't watch Pixels. It's shit house. And what do they do? They bring through not just one, but about 17 video games that they bring through that they ruin. Sandler ruins everything he touches. He ruins Pac-Man, it turns up. It's shit. He ruins Donkey Kong, my favourite Nintendo character. Shit. Sandler, fuck off out of my video games and leave video games alone. Hollywood, stop making video games because you're terrible at it. Just stop it. Huh? You listening? Yeah. Fucking stop it. Rant over. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Okay. Uh, Cheers. Thanks. Okay, so um, the doctors have just left. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Thanks for asking, though. But I'm, I just get a bit worked up, and they, they just upset me, Jacob. Uh, I had a phone call from Adam Sandler, and he's quite worried for his own safety. Well, he better be, because if you've seen <laughs> Pixels and Jack and Jill, you know that Adam Sandler's got some medical problems that I can't help with. <laughs> so that's it for the mass the mass podcasters. I'm okay. For everyone, everyone, everyone wondering, I no am okay. Cares. No one cares. Uh, no one cares. My pants are back on. Everyone's all right. Thanks for listening, uh, and we will see you next time on the Na- Mass Podcasters. Have a good week, everyone. I'll get your medicine when your tummy aches. Build you a fire if the furnace breaks. Oh. Adam fucking Sandler. Yes, I'm talking to you, you piece of shit. Don't you say that. Don't you ever say that. You are a piece of shit. All right, let's go. You want a piece of me? Don't! You're gonna die, clown! Sandler, fuck off. All right, all right, I got it. Just stop it. Oh, really, fool? Really? Huh? You listening? Yeah. Fucking stop it. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.